podcast. This week, a tour of classic motor cars, CMC in Bridgenorth. Hello, Wayne Scott with you on the Jaguar Enthusiast podcast. Hope you're well and enjoying the amazing weather we're having, the sunshine. It's the beginning of summer and the Jaguars are back out on the road, well and truly. And thanks also to you guys for all of the amazing comments we had on the last episode of the Jaguar Enthusiast podcast, our live episode from Castle Coombe, and of course the first track sport event of the year. Uh, I think it's safe to say we brought a little bit of the atmosphere back into the podcast for you to enjoy if you weren't able to be with us at Castle Coombe. Don't forget though, lots of other opportunities to be a part of the track sport programme this year. All the details online at jc.org.uk forward slash tracksport. And always great to hear from you, the Jaguar enthusiast listener to the podcast. Uh, I'd love to hear about your cars, love to hear where you're going with them this summer. And any other little bits of information and stories you want to share, you can do it all online at jcpodcast.com forward slash contact or click the contact button, fill out the form. You can even leave us a voicemail and we can put your voice message here on the podcast as well we love to hear from you this week we're talking to classic motor cars they're based in bridge north they've been going since 1993 and have built an international reputation for classic car restoration preservation and conservation there's a lot of shuns in all of that at their team have restored and maintained some of jaguar's most important road and race cars over the years uh, they've won awards for this they've even had restoration of the year from the rac historic awards for the amazing aston martin bulldog prototype restoration that was in the workshop when i was there recording this podcast and it's an interesting business because CMC is what they call an employee ownership trust, meaning that every member of staff is effectively a shareholder in the business. And that gives a really unique and different atmosphere to this workshop. It's a huge place. It's clean and fresh and inviting. And I met up with the managing director, Tim Griffin, who gave me this fantastic tour. So with no further ado... Let's have our tour of classic motor cars in Bridge North. Enjoy. You're listening to the Jaguar Enthusiasts podcast. To find out what events you can get along to or to discover local club meets in your region, visit jec.org.uk. So we've literally just snuck through a little door in the back of front of house and uh, here are some cars that, well, they look like they're part of a collection, Tim. So uh, yeah, let's have a little walk around them and uh, explain what we're looking at. Yeah, so this is actually a little bit of an extension of our uh, front of house of our sales cars. So we have a limited space in the front and we like to swap around and we've got the cars in there. But as we come through, we've got um, other cars here that are formed for our sales from Jaguar Mark II Series 3 type DB6 lovely Series 1 drophead. We've got a couple of Mark 1s, a beautiful split screen Morris Minor, and a, uh, and a little um, Formula Junior. Fantastic. And these are all cars that uh, you can buy because I noticed they have prices on them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So they're all cars that, uh, they're all cars that can be bought and um, are on our website. Fantastic. Well, I'm just sort of doing as you do and looking around and trying to decide which one I would take home. Uh, I don't think I'm going to come up with the answer today because they are all 
really beautiful cars actually and as you say once again we have those fantastic icons of Jaguar the Mark 1 Mark 2s even Aston Martin the Superleggera body on it as well but then as you say the little Morris Minor in there so all aspects of classic cars yeah all all aspects from uh, as you say we in the showroom we've got the we've got the frog eye you've got a Morris Minor sitting between a, uh, a Formula Junior single seater and a Mark 1 uh, and again, you'll see that theme throughout the workshop as we walk around. And we're very much into the grassroots classics. The Morris Minor is the is a car that get, attracts the younger generation of classic car owners as well, which we're very, very much part of getting younger people into classic cars, um, encouraging encouraging the growth of it through the through the younger generations, as you know they are the you know they are the future. Absolutely, and they're accessible because not only they are affordable, but you can still really use them day to day and fix them yourself. Yeah, absolutely. The, like m most classics with a minor, even Jaguars for that instance, the, you know, they're, they're incredibly reliable cars. They're fairly straightforward to fix, and you know they're very very usable. The the something like the minor, you could drive. You know, you can certainly drive like a Mark II on, a, on an everyday basis. It could be your everyday car. A lot of these cars now don't need an MOT. They are MOT exempt. How are you seeing that translate into people still wanting you to look over their cars? Do you still have a call for doing MOTs regardless or is it more of a kind of health check? Um, well, when we serve, every time we get a car in for a service, annual service, and it will automatically go through. We a lot of our guys are actually, although not, we don't do MOTs on site, they're MOT qualified technicians, and we'll certainly report anything that's, um, anything that's safety critical related. However, from a personal point of view, I think the MOT is a good idea. I think the way to look at it is, it's, it's, it's an, regardless, even though knowing the car is in good mechanical fettle and you know it's right, it's that almost like that stamp of approval, that independent government sanctioned government approved uh, appraisal that says on that day at that time your car is fit for use on the road and I think it's it, it, it's it's a it's a it's good to have I think it's it's people find that reassuring and also I think should the worst happen and you know there be an issue you know with an insurance claim if you've got that piece of paper to put in front of somebody it, it's a big difference it takes away any ambiguity yeah it shows the insurer or anyone who needs to know that you've done all you could absolutely it, it shows that um that, that commitment let's see how you make sure that uh, people's cars stay on the road by uh, going into the next bit of the workshop then and we'll leave this beautiful car sales area behind and that wonderful race car with its period Lola badge on the front as well that uh, that Tim mentioned there and um, we're walking through into what I can only describe really as a, a long hangar now you might have in your mind a kind of view of classic car workshops very dark dingy barns full of very grubby overalls and oily floors this is none of that actually it's bright it's light there's white paint on the walls uh, it's kind of more like a sort of Formula One installation, really, Tim. It's very clean. Yeah, well, we, 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 we aim, you know, a, a clean workplace is a happy workplace and also a more productive workplace. Uh, we have, we have uh, 60,000 square foot of workshops here um, and we, 
you know, we aim, it's, it's about the environment you work in. If you work in a good environment, if you work in a clean environment, you know, it, it's, as I said, it's a, it's, a, it's a pleasurable environment to be in. It is a workshop, it's not perfect, but we try to, we try to keep it as clean and tidy as possible. Uh, likewise, you'll see that most, you know, the cars in here are clean and tidy. The cars will be washed before, they, before we start work on them and they come in. Um, the cars are kept clean and tidy while they're being worked on. And again, everything's fully validated when it leaves. It's, it, it's all about presentation and experience and giving the right experience to, to the client throughout. We operate an open workshop policy. There's full transparency, be part of the experience. And to do that, you have to have the right atmosphere. Well, I can see the atmosphere is perfect in here, but I'll cut straight to the chase, Tim. I've got a, a well-loved, well-used XJ40 with a couple of bubbles here and there on it. You know, it's, it's, it's seen some action. And I'm looking around here, this very impressive premises with these very impressive cars in front of me. Would I be welcome here with my Jaguar? Absolutely. Um, we, we welcome all cars here. And you will see as you walk around, we've got, you know, we're, we're standing behind, a, you know, a beautiful Bentley GTC that's in for, that's in for work. We've got two Rolls-Royce Clouds in. We've got an X300 in that we've recently been doing the air condition on. We've got an X, uh, an early X308 that we're doing the air suspension on. And we've got another 300. We've uh, rebuilding the brake, the ABS brake module on that's failed, which is unavailable new. And cars still in daily use. Absolutely. So we do everything from a, a full restoration on an early E-Type or an Aston Martin DB through to, you know, much more recent Jaguar models, um, more the, the later XJs, the later Bentleys. Um, we can do that and maintain the existing and maintain warranties on the cars using genuine parts and, and, and really look after the car for a fraction of the value of using a main dealer. This is a packed workshop full of cars here. So how many cars, generally speaking, on a day-to-day -day basis do you have on the premises? So at the moment, we, um, we, 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 know, we, know, we know how many cars we have because it's all done for insurance purposes and we have 217 cars on site. Um, of that, uh, 70 to 80 are work in progress, i.e. they are going through some current form of remedial service, maintenance, restoration. Um, we and and, we, and, that, and that is how we stay competitive as a business, uh, both with the modern modern servicing and the classic repairs for a business of this size. It's it's economy of scales. The other side, the way how it works, is because the business is a, an, an EOT, an employee-owned trust. It means all the shares are held in trust, and the employees are members of that trust, which means we're not making a lot of money, millions for one person. It's it's you know whereupon we're a business and we have to make a profit the ethos is more supporting the 35 36 families who work here everybody takes a decent wage home we make enough money to grow the business and keep the to grow the business and keep the business viable it's about doing the right thing by the client it has to be unique in the classic car community surely because that is a really amazing situation for your staff they actually have a stake in this business i think it is is unique in the classic car business i think i also think it works very well because everybody comes to work with that with that mindset of wanting to do the right thing you knowing that you're part of the business and you're not just doing it for somebody else um and i think it shows in you know the the dedication you get from people when you know when we have open days when we have events and the buy-in from the staff 
the buy-in from the staff with getting because you have to have a passion for the cars you have to it's it, it's it's that little bit it's that little bit different from working um, in the modern world you know you, yeah. you've, you've got all the trials and tribulations plus yeah. and I think the, when the right person is in the is in the business they stop for a long time we you know we've got a lot of very very long-serving members of staff here and you know it, and, and I like to think that is because you get the diversity in the work you you're not in the rat race of modern car main dealer servicing or even modern car main dealer independence because it's it, it's a, it's about getting the job right and looking after the client and having a having a good time while you're at work i tell you what it's really coming through already just looking at the sort of cars you're working on here because uh, we have a wonderful uh, XK120 in front of us here. Uh, there are some Daimlers in the background I can see there. Uh, there's an XJS right next to us here, an XJS Cabriolet uh, V12, late 1980s model. But then there's things like this, an MGR V8, being worked on. Looks like it's just had a full respray. Well, it's it's no, it's actually a, a, a beautiful car, very very low mileage, one owner car, and the. Um, the guy has, has, has bought it stunning a couple of my very very minor detail bits and um, you know of all the specialists out there he, he bought it to us to do, to do knowing that we would you know having come to us met us met the paint shop met the paint team leader had a good chat we had a good sit down and talk about how we can approach the work he wants to do in the car liked what we proposed and and we've done very very small remedial jobs to really just lift it that last little bit it's but it's a beautiful original car now some cars i can really talk about in great detail in here others i can't reveal too much about secret things going on is, is that one of your secret things going on over there no no not not necessarily <laughs> okay. no no that one isn't um <laughs> as it happens so that is a car that is called the tracer Okay. So it's a um, it was a it was it was a prototype um, penned along the lines of the bulldog, and it was it was it was always done as a prototype. It's almost like a mini bulldog if you look at it with a drop-down yeah, yeah. panel for the lights, and it was the the base of it is two metro subframes, an 80s car, and you'll see if you look at it, two metro subframes, metro turbo engine. Um, it's just like one of the, it's one of those concept cars that never quite got to production. The point I'm trying to make here is that here we are in this fantastic and impressive workshop that's almost like Formula One grade of cleanliness and uh, an order and tidiness. But in these little bays here, you can just see the sort of cars that only enthusiasts with great passion would work on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, uh, as I said, it, it's it's not the sort of car you could do if you were just coming to work for a nine to five nine absolutely. to five job. Um, you've got to you've got to buy into it, especially when with the, with things like this with with, the, with prototypes that or concept cars that never quite made it. You can't just go and buy a, get a part off the shelf if you need it. If something needs doing, you've got to repair it or you've got to fabricate it and it's that extra skill set and um and wanting to do it you know wanting you know the the, the buy-in to um have that passion about the cars to get it right well what you can hear in the background is a group of people working on uh, a chassis and a cross member I think at the back there and then just uh, an airline going on blowing the dust off an engine before they start inspecting it. See that's the level of uh, meticulous craftsmanship that's going on here at CMC. Um, but let's walk a bit further down Tim because 
As we get further down this huge building here, there are even more weird and wonderful looking cars. This car next to me here is something that we're very familiar with, of course. Uh, Daimler Sovereign 4.2, uh, the sort of uh, Jaguar that uh, every middle management used to drive once upon a time. Although if he had the Daimler version, he was probably doing a little bit better than most. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's um, it's actually quite a rare one. It's a factory, it's a, it's a Daimler Sovereign, fact, factory manual, five-speed manual. Um, and it was ordered, it was actually, know a little bit of history on this car, it was actually delivered specially to the uh, chairman of Triplex Glass at the time. Oh, right. So um, the Daimlers weren't generally available with manual gearboxes they, they were all automatic and obviously that the the guy at the t the chairman at the time had a little bit of sway with Jaguars because they were supplying all the glass and um, got a manual car um, amazing so this is we've been doing some work on the on the fuel tanks on this car um, hence why the bumpers off in the bottom half and uh, some remedial service a little bit of paintwork um, where it was just starting to show a little bit of its age but generally it's a fantastic original straight car with 95% of its original paint on it, still in its original TPA. <laughs> you mean a Series 3 uh, XJ6 that needed work on its fuel tanks, Tim? Surely not. Well, you know, <laughs> it happens every so often. <laughs> Amazing. And, you know, just it's another example of uh, a sort of, you know, everyday looking Jaguar, as once was, actually holds a secret. And there inside I can see the manual gearbox and uh, yeah, that fascinating story of the man behind Triplex owning it in period, fantastic. Um, but behind that, there's the very familiar engine from a Mini uh, wrapped in wood. What's going on here? So this is uh, this is an, another, so th these were actually, the idea behind these were, uh, it's another town's concept. And the idea behind it was, is a car that could be flat packed shipped and constructed anywhere in the world so anywhere where there was everywhere in the world has got wood as natural source so it'd just be a car that could go um you you ship the mechanicals off again it's it is basically two mini subframes um a series mini mini wire and loom running gear um that could then be sent off with a set of plans and anybody once that was there with wood as a natural resource could build the car there were a, a number of these built there was a, a six-wheeled version done um, but this is, uh, yeah, it's uh, one of one of the <laughs> original hustlers. <laughs> it's a bizarre looking thing, but uh, wonderful. You know, it's yeah. all part of automotive history. And uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like it's been French polished to the within an inch of its life on there. Um, but uh, yeah, fascinating. Then we've got this wonderful uh, XK150 coupe here. Uh, tell us a bit about this car, because it's stunning. Yeah, so this car has come in, um, it's had a lot of work done to it. It's, it's coming as a supposed way to put it is three-part done restoration and um, we do see a, a, a bit of this where the car's got to a stage and then it's come to a stop for whatever reason um, and it's come to us to finish off so we've finished off the wiring on it we've fitted air conditioning we've had a part fitted part done air conditioning which we've finished off uh, we've com we're completely retrimming the car uh, to do it and then we'll take it through a, a shakedown a road test and shakedown so they're uh, in readiness for the um, for the owner it's a wonderful selection it covers all different sorts of usage of classic cars as well from restorations that are coming up to the point where they're going to give their owner an amazing lifestyle right the way through to cars that are in everyday use 
even a few motorsport icons dotted around the place and that amazing Aston Martin Bulldog prototype, one of its kind in the world. And they're all mixed in together here on various ramps. There's a, one of the first, of course, all aluminium XJs built at the uh, beginning of uh, uh, the 2000s, celebrating the anniversary this year, of course, of their first appearance. Um, so the X350 is up here on the ramp alongside all of these historic icons and I think that's the thing that's coming through here is very much you know it's all together isn't it in one place yeah it is it's all together in one place everything's you know as, as part of what we say is is everything's under one roof so we like to think we can offer a um, a, a, a both a, a bespoke service to all our clients with with everything under one roof so within the classic car business you know like as you said earlier it's fairly unique being a EOT but we're also fairly unique as in we all the services all the disciplines are under one roof here too you've got customers as you mentioned that have, have been here a long time with you have come back repeat business and all of that how much is it about fixing people's cars and maintaining people's cars and how much of your work is around coaching them around navigating the classic car world and finding the lifestyle that they want from it yeah uh, i think you've hit the nail on the head there effective what we do is is, is we we manage um clients classic cars classic car lifestyle we we manage their hobbies and i think it's, it's an important thing to take on board because a lot of these people at whatever level the classic car is it's it's there for their enjoyment they haven't got to own it it's not an essent a life essential and you ne and that needs it's a hobby it's a it's a it's a passion and you need to make that as enjoyable so that people can enjoy the hobby and enjoy their passion and to do that you have to get to know your client understand what their needs and as you say quite often coach them on their needs it may be the fact that somebody wants a retrim done on the car but they'll never drive it because they're going to get a lot more enjoyment and out of the car if you fix the brakes the engine and the gearbox um, so you can actually go out and enjoy the car and then come back and do the trim a couple of years later and there is a degree of coaching involved in that in 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 doing the right thing by the client so they get the the best benefit out of their vehicles because mm. ultimately if it sits in a garage and they're not using it they're not going to come back to you so you're not going to get the custom and the business out of it and ultimately they will sell the car won't they and they'll yeah. disappear from the hobby absolutely and then and then that drives the classic car market down it drives the the ownership down which then has, has other knock-on effects we touched on earlier regarding you know government legislation very important point you make there because it's something that we're conscious of in car clubs and you're listening here to the JEC podcast uh, that is of course uh, made possible by the Jaguar Enthusiast Club and clubs, I think it's fair to say, have struggled in recent years to maintain membership levels and to move with the times and to keep relevant with a mad pace of change within society as a whole. But fundamentally, without that community that's pulling in one direction, uh, we have got some challenges ahead as an industry, as a sector, as a community, haven't we, into the future? Yeah, absolutely. There is always that challenge. And, you know, the, the, the challenges as well is in encouraging new younger ownership into the classic car world is something that we're we're very actively trying to do is you see things like the morris minor is a perfect car that somebody could buy as a as a young enthusiast coming into the classic car market and you can run reliably um things like the, the sprite is that is that 
for, for, for want of a better word, is that sort of lower end classic where people that, that's affordable, that's usable, that gets people on, that gets people started on their journey. Accessible, I guess. Accessible is a perfect word. Gets people started on their journey into classic ownership, and uh, and and something gives you something to, to grow on. Yeah. Well, I can see that's definitely the case here because what you've, what you're definitely doing is mixing in your what I guess is your traditional customer base with those cars that are appealing to the new Jaguar owner, the younger classic car owner, and not sort of turning them away because perhaps their car isn't worth as much or isn't as old or as historic. You're welcoming them in. And I think what you're probably doing is giving them the what I call the gateway drug to discovering some of these other much older classics like the SS100 and the XK150 there in front of us. Yeah, ab- yeah again, ab- absolutely right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's getting it and getting into these cars one of the things we're doing um in the in the not too distant future is there is the drive to get younger give young people the opportunity to drive a classic car and uh we're involved in that and we're taking a classic down um to give young people that opportunity to drive a classic uh we'll you know we'll take something that's accessible and reasonably easy to drive because you know it's when we were younger everything drove like an e-type or, a, or an xj yeah, yeah, yeah. um but no it, it, it's not so it, it's taking something that's accessible that they can drive that they're going to find easy that they're not going they're going to enjoy that's still got a reasonable amount of excitement um and and, and get them on and get them on board and, and get them enthused about classic cars because that's you know the, the only way any any business or any community survives is by uh is by, is by forward planning and um and, and and developing and, and and growing new markets. It also extends, of course, into potential members of staff because you're great supporters of apprentices, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. We um, Classic Motorcars was uh, one of the uh, original supporters of the Marches Academy in the in, in setting up the uh, in, in setting up the new in setting up the trade the apprenticeships in Classic and historic vehicles um many years back i was part of the original steerage group for the trailblazer right, okay. um so yeah it's something it's not just a recent thing it's something we've always looked at we we we're looking we we encourage apprentices apprentices within the business we have a young apprentice who is fantastically skilled guy he's been with one of our older we've got our young one of our youngest members of staff with one of our oldest members of staff going through his uh, going through his apprenticeship and uh, this is a great story this is because the older member of staff that you're referring to uh, what's his name it's Malcolm Malcolm fantastic <laughs> guy um, one of the most is, is arguably the best gearbox builder I have ever experienced and he's been passing those skills on to the younger generation to our, our youngest member of staff Hayden who is Going through his, uh, who's going through his apprenticeship through the marches. Um, in fact, he's got his finals coming up quite soon. So, um, yeah, and, and he's been, he's doing fantastically to the point where um, he had his uh, uh, tutor down a few weeks back, and he was explaining to them how it, the differential he had just rebuilt for an E-type, and the tutors asked him to go and do the same demonstration for the class because it's better than he could do. Wow. Now there's an accolade. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a young lad 
early 20s building gearboxes for your customers ss100s yeah. with your guidance yeah, of course with, but yeah with, with with malcolm's guidance and 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 going through part of his training is you know he's he's built a uh, a MOS box, he built a gearbox for an SS100 where a key point is being checked and obviously it's checked by um, by you know our, our most senior member of staff uh, to make sure that everything's right and spot on and exactly as it should be but yeah it's all part of the it's all part of the learning process, it's all part of the training and it's, it's, it's ensuring those skills are passed on from generation to generation uh, for you know, for the future of the, for the future of the business and for the future of the industry. Mm, absolutely. Well, it's interesting to be here at CMC, a, a business that started um, years ago, nearly thirty years ago now, really out of the vision of one man, Peter Newmark, to keep his own collection of cars on the road and building talent around him to enable him to do that. One of the early projects at CMC in those early days took on, of course, was the Linda Knocker lightweight E-Type, wasn't it, yeah, uh, of Peter's. Uh, and today, it's still that legacy is still ongoing because whilst Peter's out still enjoying his cars wherever he's on a racetrack, whatever, uh, this is still making sure there's a fresh supply of talent and passion into the classic car world. Yeah, and and we hope we continue to do so for a long time yet. Um, we, we'll be looking to take on, um, hopefully we should be looking to take on Apprentice this academic year, um, as Hayden's now got to his point where he is doing a lot more work on his own now he's 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 being incredibly skilled guy looking to take i say looking to take on another apprentice and start those through the learning process and um and and hopefully continue to do so for a long time what's the biggest change over the last sort of 10 20 years that you've seen here at cmc in terms of the type of customers that are coming through the door and the type of cars that they like oh uh, gosh um it's a difficult one. Um, there's, there's, I think there's definitely been a change in uh, the type of cars. I think we, it's, I mean, as it happens, I think my my my, my passion is actually vintage cars. Uh, not not that old. I'm in my early fifties, um, but we see you're seeing actually that is dropping off slightly. Um, we're seeing much more. I mean, E types are still incredibly popular even with uh, you know we're selling e-types of people in the 30s and 40s uh, who are just beginning their classic car journey you know they've, they've made they've they've got to a point in life they've made a bit of money they want a car and the e-type is still the you know ubiquitous classic car to own uh, and 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 then there is the you you have that bit of guidance in what to expect from an e-type how to drive it how to experience how to get the best out of it um, but we're seeing a lot more um, more cars going through the the X, XK8s. Seen a lot of people buying into those. We even see F types. You know, people right. starting to look into F types, um, S type R's. We've got a client who recently you know, bought yeah. a, an S type R as a classic yeah. um, that we that we service and maintain. So we, we you know we we're seeing that growth taking aside the Jaguar part of it is 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 the Porsches. You know, we're seeing people investing in in 964 and 933 Porsches who are wanting those serviced and maintained. Um, there's always the Ferrari market um, and the Aston market, but it's it's definitely growing that side and and things like the Morris Minor um, and the and the Austin Healey and MGBs. We see a number, we see any number of MGBs through the place. Yeah, I guess the big change that I'm detecting from work, walking around here and seeing the sorts of cars and the sorts of customers that you're you're dealing with on a daily basis is that. 
a lot of these cars are not necessarily here because they hold some kind of nostalgia for their owner it seems to be to me at least swinging toward more towards the fact that it's less about nostalgia more about a lifestyle that they can deliver is that something you'd agree with yeah so yes there's definitely it's a, it's a lifestyle that can that can be delivered whether it's uh, whether it's classic cars um uh, it's it's about that enjoyment, that getting out and doing. So it's one of the things uh, we've recently diversified in as a business is to is is camper vans and and um, the sale of modern camper conversions. So we work very closely um, with a uh, with a with a, a local uh, bespoke specialist high end camper converter, um, coachwork conversions, and you know we we have the exclusive rights to sell their campers. And we have, you know, we have two in at the moment. We have the latest ID bus, for instance. Mm-hmm. And these people, they, they, they've. It's, it's, a, it's a luxury item. It's a, it, it, it's an addition. It's not their everyday driver. But you come in, and then they see things like the one, and think, oh, that's sweet. I'd like one of those. In a way, there's a lot more expectation on a very old car to deliver when you open the garage door and you turn the key. People do want these things to work, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and there's and and there's no reason they shouldn't. Um, a well-maintained, well-looked-after E-Type, XK, Mark II, um, or any classic for that matter, sh- should work like that. It's you know, there's it's it's a mechanical item. It's not guaranteed. You know, electrical gremlins can happen, but mechanically, if a, a well-maintained classic can be as reliable as, as a modern car and can be used as a modern car and as we talked earlier avoid the, those things like um, those nasty things like road tax especially on some of the some of the charges that get put out so you, you you a lot of a lot of classics are exempt from um, uh, low emission zones and they're also you you know you you also get cheap insurance there's you know it's, I think it's it's something that could be encouraged as a as a classic car for daily use uh, there's no reason it can't be done. It's arguably the recycling, the greenest way of owning a car. Yeah, the sexiest way of doing make do and mend is what I always say, Tim. Absolutely. <laughs> so we've come through a door now into, well, an identical workshop to the one that we were in before, but there's no one working in here. In fact, there aren't any ramps or tool chests around either. What there is, though, is a whole selection of cars fast asleep. There's a real mix of things in here. There's a Tickford Metro that I can see. There's a Lister XJS, a very early Porsche uh, there as well, and a whole selection of Jaguars, uh, a Lotus 7 there, or a Caterham, and a, and a, a Bentley at the end there. Yeah. Um, so this is car storage and this is another part of the services that you deliver to your customers then Tim yeah absolutely so this is um, this is our, as you say we quite rightly said we walked into our storage facility um, at any one time we will have um, 70 plus cars in storage um, all in various uh, degrees of storage point of a better word so some cars are used fairly regular and they're we're put, put here by people who just don't have space to use them at home uh, keep them at home sorry um, other cars are in long-term storage and com- and might be in here for 12 18 months plus people who live abroad and only come into the UK every so often we store cars for you know uh, a, a 
a customer who lives in the States primarily most of the time, and but his car has to be in perpetual readiness for if he's in the UK. Um, and, and we offer a bespoke storage service uh, where if the car's put in storage, every, every car, every four weeks is started, run up to temperature, cleaned, checked, and put back and put back away. Um, all the cars are on, as you can see, they're, they're all on battery conditioners, they're all undercover, and it's a modern, airy building with a very stable, uh, with a very stable temperature and, and climate. Very dry, you can feel yeah. it in the atmosphere here, and of course the big enemy of cars in storage is always condensation and moisture in the air, isn't it? And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's it's a fantastic service that you're doing here for these cars. And it sort of explains part of that business model that you alluded to earlier where you've got so many cars over 200 cars on site at any one time 20 odd technicians on the workshop floor but all of these cars in here are generating revenue for you mm -hmm. which means that you've got that economy of scale to offer me when i turn up with my xj40 for my service a yeah. really good hourly rate a really good hourly rate yeah and and, uh, and on our and, and for J and for JEC, all JEC members get 10% uh, discount on our headline labour rate as well. So it it makes it very, very economical, very you know I, I like you know hopefully very affordable. And I labour that point because you could look at this building and all of the cars that are in here, these amazing early E types, Mark Twos, 3.8 litre Mark Twos that are astronomical money now, and think that your X type won't be made welcome, but it really will be, won't it? Yes, uh, yeah, it will. Um, X-Type, uh, you know, late 1990s, XK, XK8, yeah. XKR, you know, it's equally, you know, it's all equally welcome and and given the same care and attention as we would give a, a, a DB4 or a uh, an outside bonnet lock E-Type or a Ferrari for that matter. And these cars, picking on this XK8 in particular, uh, pre-facelift model, so from the end of the 1990s, just after they were launched, of course, these cars are never going to be cheaper than they are now, are they, really? No, and in some cases, you can see they're slightly turning the corner a little bit and starting to become more desirable as people see them as a, as a classic to own and enjoy. And, and, and it, it's these... I happen to really like these early XK8s. I think they are a great entry model into the classic car world they you know that they're usable if they're if you pick the right one and you look after it properly they're you know they're as reliable as any classic car is going to be um it's it's a very inexpensive entryway into classic cars and you're going to have fun in it especially if you buy something like the supercharged version they all look stunning don't they absolutely, they're gorgeous yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous looking thing especially in you know the, the color of the car we're looking at which is the dark blue with the ivory interior yeah and this is why we're so lucky with Jaguar. This is why we have such a global audience on this podcast of over eight and a half thousand of you tuning in every week. It's because it is a brand and a mark that has such a broad appeal. At the one end, you can get yourself into an XJ6 in the late 80s, early 90s for a couple of thousand pounds, right the way up to many millions for a lightweight E-Type or a genuine C or D-Type and there's everything in between and we are so lucky aren't we in the Jaguar world to have that huge variety of cars. I think so yes and and what you've also got in the Jaguar world or say you we, we've also got in the Jaguar world as a class myself as part of that is is this wonderfully diverse ownership and camaraderie. Mm. Um, 
you know, if you if you go on any of the forums, you know, if people have a problem, there's people willing to help them out. We do our own helpline to that we offer to club members. You know, if they've got a problem, they can email in or pick up the phone, and and we will help them with the car. It's not just about having the car in and in the nice possible way taking money off people. It's about helping people enjoy the classics and keep them on the road. And you know, when they when it does need that's something that's a little bit bigger or more involved doing. Hopefully, you remembered. They are all genuinely excited about being here working on these cars and making them go as best as they can yeah yeah and it's and that's what and that's what it's about it's it's about delivering that level of you know a service level Uh, as you said when you walk through the door it's that you walk through the door it's that boutique hotel experience and offering that that experience and that service level to all clients whether whether it's an outside bonnet lock e-type or whether it's a 1996 XK8 or a 2002 XJ, or 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 in the, and the in the case is something much more modern, you know, with a 63 plate XJ in that's in for service work. Yeah. Wonderful, and I see some big sort of shipping crates here behind us on the other side of a fence. Um, is this the part store? Is it? What's going on here? Yeah. So why don't we why don't we take a walk around and then we can we can talk we can walk through and um, and talk about what's going on in the other unit. Wow, there's some big XK engines on this rack in here and all sorts, Tim. And this is your, your stash of very exciting parts then. Yeah, so it's it's all those bits you just can't get or you, you never know when you um <laughs> when when you might need them or what might come in handy. And I think we we're all a bit guilty of that in um in 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 our passion for classic cars. And as you rightly said, we've got a, a number of XK engine blocks down there which are you know they've um, come from various uh, scrap vehicles, or we've bought them over the years, and are, and are really handy for those parts when you're doing a rebuild. If it's, you want an original set of rod, the rods are worn out, or something's not quite right, that you've got the access to them. You you you've got then people want an original part put in the car, or even if you've got a a block that's um, you know a, a block that's beyond repair, and it does it very rarely. As we said, Jaguars are incredibly robust cars, but it does happen. Um, we've got access to it and you know we can offer an affordable solution mm. ah. that's great and there's more yet more cars here uh, down the bottom of this unit yeah, so that, uh, we're actually very very busy at the moment we've always very busy all the time which is nice it's a this nice is overflow then, this, is, this is overflow this <laughs> it's a it's a nice problem to have um, <laughs> but uh, yeah what we're looking at in here is all, all in here um, with the exception of this is uh, is work in progress I've just walked past a Porsche Carrera 2 there as well, which is uh, looking very sleek in its black paint. And uh, yeah, your uh, uh, one of your many uh, camper projects in there. An X300. Uh, this is an X300 XJR in exactly the same colour that my dad had. Mm. And uh, it's that beautiful, I think they called it Foxfire Red, didn't they? Yeah, I think, is it, I think, I think it's Nightfire. Nightfire, that's the one. Foxfire was a Land Rover colour. Yeah, right. looks wonderful. So, so this car is. Um, we've had this car in. It's uh, it's uh, it's a, a new, new client. He's been to several garages who've um, plugged his diagnostic in and says, "Yep, you've got a fault on your ABS." But said it's uh, we can't fix it, or you need a new module that isn't available. And that when they do become available, the two thousand pounds. Uh, one of the things we do actually is is actual module repairs on these on this era of car. So, for a fraction of the cost, we've taken them, we've we've traced the fault properly through to the module, taken the module off the car, repaired the module, and refitted it. So, 
if you're an XJ6 and in particular an XJ40X300 connoisseur and devotee like I am, this is music to your ears because for a long time owners like us have struggled to get a people to even let our cars into their workshop and b even start work on them and if you have an electrical problem really difficult to source the parts and source the people who are able to work on it and fix it but thank goodness we've got you tim and your guys here because uh, like so many of us this x300 guy is now going to be safe and back on the road at some point soon in the future yeah uh, yes the you know that we 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 got we collected the car uh last week on thursday and the aim is it is you know less than a week later it's done and we'll be going back to the client um late this week you can feel the relief literally coming over your body as an x300 person knowing that there is someone in this world who can fix these things because we have struggled for so long so don't mess about anymore don't go fiddling about on ebay trying to buy suspect parts out of scrapped cars just ring tim up (laughs) Tim Griffin's his name. He lives here in CMC in Bridge North, and get it booked in. Just bring it to CMC, and all your troubles are over, aren't they? Yeah, I say get get it diagnosed, get it diagnosed properly, and fix it once. It's oh, fantastic. And again, it's another example of the fact that here we are, waxing lyrical over this X three hundred nineteen nineties XJR was the most powerful saloon car in its day when it was launched, um, but of course they've sort of fallen out of favour for a long time there. Um, but now back on the up and an example of the huge diversity of customers and cars that you've got here. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, it's, it's, as you can see, you're just looking through the diversity of cars, you know, we've got... You've got part next to an MGA. Next to an MGA, <laughs> we've got a, uh, a very an historic, very historic um, XK120 parked alongside that, yes. which yes. is then parked alongside a uh, Series 2 E-Type, parked next to a, an, an, an S class, uh, early 80s S500 Mercedes. There's and a Mark 1 Escort at the back as well, yeah, I can Mark see as well. Proper, yeah, nice Mark 1 Escort, Mexico. Yeah, fantastic, look at that, in wonderful signal red. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, this, the, uh, I'll try and give you the idea of the scale of this Um, building that we're in it's like several of your normal farmers barns which means it's only just big enough to fit in a 420g which is what we're stood in front of at the moment but gorgeous one at that one of my favorite jaguars of all time i think everybody says i love e-types don't get me wrong but everybody you know my ultimate jaguar is a 120 fixed head i think the lines are beautiful next it's one of these it's everything about that late 50s early 60s space race that was yeah. going on at the time and you can just see it in the, the lines on the on the mark 10 and the 420 are absolutely wonderful the craze the craze absolutely so this is advantageous that you turn up at this point hayden because we've been talking about you all day uh, this is this is the apprentice that we were talking about who is uh, now a star builder of ss100 gearboxes i hear so um hayden it must be amazing opportunity to work amongst these amazing cars so diverse so different how's the apprenticeship going fantastic i'm almost finished i'm in my final year of 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 the course at the college i go to which is i think it's heritage engineer technician it's like a whole because you you start and they give you like a block of what to learn so it's not just heritage engineering it, it not just automotive it's like you have to do a little bit on steam a little bit on aeroplanes 
um, and I think and then and then you go into the specialised bits and that's where we went into the automotive side of it. My grandfather used to race old cars, he num old uh, number 41 2LF1 car and Sterling Moss and he was actually like ended up in the end being like best friends with Sterling Moss and Sterling Moss raced his Oscar which was um, a group of guys who broke off from Maserati and created their own business. Uh, what I was told was they created their own business and he owned one of those. And he turned up and Sterling Moss's car had broken down or something and my granddad turned to him and said, well, they didn't come here to see me race and gave him his car. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Well, as that's the sort of story that would inspire anyone to yeah. go and have a career in this industry. Yeah. And I guess you see your own family history then in every car that you yeah. see here. And I, I, I look after my auntie's 356 Porsche now as well. It's one of I think three which was imported as a right-hand drive in 1963, wow. and then I bought a 1966 Land Rover Series Two on my own. Brilliant. So now I drive. I tank that around everywhere. <laughs> great it's it's great owning one, but if you don't know how to work on cars, you're in trouble. <laughs> it's going to cost you a lot more money. Wonderful. It's great to hear such passion when you're talking about cars, and uh, this is your job for life now. Surely you yeah. wouldn't want to do anything no. else. No, definitely not. And, and I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Obviously, the bosses stood here, um, yeah. but uh, you know, <clears throat> how is CMC to work for as an employee? No, no, and, is, is well, it? I'll be honest. If if I didn't like it, I would, probably would have left by now. <laughs> and you're planning on staying? Yeah. Great. I Great think I'm stuff. here for the long haul. To be fair, I think we need you. By the sounds of it, you're the only person who can build SS100 gearboxes properly now. Well, apart from my mentor, yeah. Yes, of course, yeah. And that's a great thing, isn't it? You're working yeah. with someone who's been doing this for so yeah. many years. And I think I think sometimes the problem is is because I work around Malcolm and Brett so often, and they're so good at what they do, I, I always compare myself to them. But when I'm around people my own age, they look at me like, how do you do that? And I think I kind of lose track of actually how much I've learned over the past couple of years working here because I'm comparing myself to guys who've got 40, 50 years of experience in, in this trade and like old school trade. I think my first Moss box was chassis 35. Yeah. I think that was the first one I did on my own. And then now I've just done all the front suspension on the first ever E-Type. Wow. So that's, that's oh, and I, I, it was the, diff, the first diff I did on my own as well. I'm excited. I'm coming in in the morning. I'm going to work with Hayden. This sounds sounds much no, better than no, anything no, no, I could no, ever no. do. Language language is terrible. You'd want to walk out in the first couple of hours. What rebuilding gearboxes? No, I don't believe it. Surely no. not. It's getting them out of the cars, which is a frustrating bit. Wonderful stuff, Hayden. Good luck with the rest of your apprenticeship. Thanks for talking to us here on the JC podcast. And um, at one day, you'll have your own 420G, and you can be your own Cray Brothers of yeah, Bridge North. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're now back on the other side of the facility here, and we walk back through that original workshop. And we're now in the body preparation area and the body shop here at CMC. And again, more diversity. There's an MGB in the corner. Uh, early 1970s, last of the chrome bumper, MGBs. Uh, there's a Radford Mini as well, body shell, sat on a, uh, a, a set of dollies there that's having some real significant work done to it. And then there is not one, not two, but three and four E-type shells here. And there is a couple of lads here who are manhandling an E-type bulkhead around. And these are all E-types, presumably then, in restoration for customers, are they? Yeah, so all, all four E-types you see going through here are going through full, are going through full restorations. Um, the, 
uh, Sam, the younger guy who's who's there working with Phil, he has started with us recently, and Phil's given him some some coaching and some training. He has worked in the restoration business before. Um, he's sadly lost his job when the when the business folded, and we've given him an given him taking him on and given him opportunity and helping him develop and you know become a member of the staff and uh, hopefully a, a long term long term employee. Brilliant. So starting in his early days at CMC as he is, how long would it take him to get to the point where he is one of the shareholders here in the business? That's something that's set by the by the trust and by resolution and it's it's 12 months. You can share in the trust share options. Okay. Um, uh, but you know, he's as from from day one, he's a valued and valid member, valid yeah, of member course. of staff. Yeah. From Sam's point of view, he'll get a you know he gets the training and skill from from Phil and Luke, our other body shop guy. Um, you know, and he's got a good few years ahead of him before you know it's we before we could you know we'd say yes you know it's what we would call a a skilled worker, and and you and you never. You never stop learning. You no, you yeah. always you know the the person who says they know everything. That's the person you don't want to employ. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know you always you always learn new skills. You're always learning new ways of doing it, and you're constantly striving for improvement. Let's go and have a chat to them, shall we? And uh, they look like they're figuring out something on an E-type. Hello. Hello <laughs> Tell everyone what your name is. Don't run away oh. from me. It's your Sorry, turn I'm to be interviewed me. now. Oh, life. Uh, <laughs> my name. Yes. Phil. Phil, what are you working on? Uh, I'm working on this one at the moment. This, uh, so this is an early E-type, and uh, it's a body shell that we see here with a bit of paint on. So what stage are you at at the moment? Well, we've got most of the repairs done on the actual body. It's had new panels. I've just got around to fitting the bonnet. Um, I was just making the, the bonnet fit the rest of the vehicle. Um, and Which is not a small job. Let's not just sweep that term under the carpet there no not at all <laughs> we're no. just making it fit that's a whole front end of an e-type we're talking yeah, about here i know <laughs> yeah we well it's just what we do isn't it we just i've just simplified it there's a lot of work involved uh it is a third of the car yeah it's yeah you, you've got it all, these bonnets they're all individual so i could that bonnet wouldn't fit any other car but because we've done so much work on it it's had no engine frames the bonnet, the original bonnet, what that is, will not fit that car now without being um, adjusted. So we've got to maybe, well, have got to, um, I've got to extend the, um, probably extend the wings um, or add bits and pieces onto it. Uh, so, yeah. And of course, this harks back to the fact that these cars, when they came out of Brown's Lane, whilst certain amounts of it was mass production, it was still very much hand crafted bodywork wasn't it definitely yeah. yeah yeah you had two you if you look at the photographs you will see there's two guys one working on each side of the vehicle and you can tell the difference you know one guy might be better at doing something <laughs> than the other guy but no generally yeah they're all they're all bespoke aren't they they're all individual well you're unpicking history and making it look better i think than it ever did they never came out of the factory that good did they oh no 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 they're a little <laughs> bit uh, they're a bit wobbly i think you call it they weren't quite right, but they are now, when we've been sure them. Looks perfect to me. Uh, I won't detain you from your very, very skilled work any longer. Um, you might say it's just lining it up. I've done this job with someone. I, I still don't really understand what the hell we did all day, but at some point it fitted. Um, it, is, it is a real craft and a skill to know how to get 
panels like that to fit and those shapes as well it's all curves isn't it that's what part of the challenge is yeah it's all curves, it's and curves. yeah most men like curves but <laughs> <laughs> it looks great there's all sorts of different stages that we're seeing here of e-type restoration as well so are they easy cars to restore because there's a lot of people that try and do this at home isn't there and, and some succeed others find it very tough they seem like a complex car to me to restore the thing is it's detail you've got to get them right it, and it's it, it's the same as anything in life i suppose if you've got an mgb it's a straightforward car but you there's still detail involved you've got to get it right there's a lot going on with them mm. i couldn't yeah. i couldn't explain to you now what go, I mean, it would take forever was there a point in your career at some point where you thought and you felt you woke up in the morning one day and thought I kind of got the measure of this now now today I know what I'm doing or was it far more gradual than that well I'm always thinking about it. I must have go home and I do think about things I'll be thinking about this bonnet tonight it's what I do it's what you do it's what I do second it's, nature to you it is it's <laughs> just what I do I'm, I've done it for years and Phil's underselling himself a bit there because it's it is about it's absolutely right it is about the detail what you and, and people see the the nice shiny coat of paint on these cars that are on concourse and phil's built a number of concourse cars that are you know there were major events and they don't you don't necessarily see the work that goes in underneath the paint but it's the work that goes in at this stage the groundwork getting this bit right that makes the finished article look so good when it's painted because if this stage isn't right it's never going to look right when it's painted. It's great stuff to see you uh, not only working on your own skills, but uh, teaching other people. Is he a good teacher? He's very, yes, he's experienced, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. It's a big jigsaw, isn't it? And they're lovely cars, so it must be nice to see the finished product at the end of it all. Oh yeah, it's the best bit, it's my favorite bit. Yeah. Like I say, seeing it in its former glory. Yeah. So. Seeing someone drive off down the road to go and win trophies with it. Oh yeah, yeah. that's the aim. Brilliant. That's it. Well, you carry on. We'll just watch Thanks, you in fascination. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that was Phil and Sam that uh, we met there here in the body shop at CMC and uh, we're walking around a few more of the other E-type body shells that are up on jigs and uh, rotisseries there to give them access as they're working. And of course there's some benders and folders and all sorts of metalworking gear here. Big gear as well. Um, Tim, you know, some real old-fashioned bits of machinery here. You can't use new technology to make old panels, can you? Yeah, well, you think about it, um, you know, we, as you can see, you've said, right, said there's, some, there's some big old-fashioned machinery, guillotines, box folders, press brakes, uh, you know, a couple of English wheels. You know, it's the technology for making panels hasn't changed in the last hundred years or so. You know, it's still, you're still either shrinking, stretching or folding metal to make shapes and that hasn't changed and and therefore the the, the equipment hasn't to form, to change to form it by hand um, and I think that can be seen in in even now there's a, quite recently there's a big upsurge in in in, in new in manufacturers remanufacturing wheels for argument's sake and and these traditional tools um, for, you know, for, for for use and because it, it's uh, unless you're mass producing it's still the most economical way to actually make a panel. A classic car has very minimal impact on the environment and carbon output because A it served its time in terms of the amount of energy expended when it was manufactured but also the fact that it's been around for so long it's repaired and mended and kept on the road and the materials that make it up aren't wasted. 
And really these skills are really crucial, aren't they, to make sure that we're able to repair stuff in the future, not simply just throw it away. Yeah, and, 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 and in today's throwaway society, I think it is important to repair and, and recycle and, and maintain. It keeps the economy going and you know, the classic car economy to the UK is, is worth a substantial amount of money to the country's economy. And maintaining skills and, and crafts. And, and, yeah, exactly, and, and skills, and as we, talk, as we said before, and skills and crafts. And, and and heritage and not letting not letting that die and fall by the wayside. Talking of heritage, there's some of your heritage over there on that workbench. There's an old CMC logo from many years ago, I think, and the uh, the, the strap line on the logo, CMC quality is everything and that's still a mantra that holds strong today isn't it absolutely and um, it's really quite sweet the guys have kept that and um, and kept it in the workshop off their own back yeah that's great well talking of quality is everything let's go through and have a look at the last part of the process then because as we leave the body shop we get to another service that I think has been a fairly recent addition to what you offer your customers here at CMC and that is once the car's painted or once it's been out on the road, you then do detailing and protection for that paintwork, don't you? And here is a bay with two cars in it being detailed as we speak, an XK150 uh, and a Mark II next to it. And we've literally just come from the other side of the workshop building. We walked out of body preparation. We went past the body shop where the painting is all done. And then we're here looking at some very, very shiny Jaguars. Uh, this XK150 then getting the full works, is it? Yes, it had a machine polish after paintwork. It then has a glaze. It has all the chrome treated with peak, which is a metal polish. We then go through all the windows, the door shuts. It has a coat of Carnuba wax, a really high quality Carnuba for six months. This would last everyday use. The interior is completely gone through, cleaned. Well, every bit of carpet that we can take out, we do. The boots took to pieces, the spare wheels cleaned, the wheels are treated, the tyres. We go through all the leather, cleaned, treated, fed. Engine bay, complete clean out. Wow. I guess this must be a busy time of year for you as well, because here we are at the end of March, so the show season is just dawning, isn't it? And people are starting to look outside. Spring has sprung and uh, their cars need to come out for the shows. Every year without fail. It's polishing time for you. Do you get polishes elbow or something? Is there like a health and safety thing you have to watch? Tennis elbow's a thing, but I've not. <laughs> I've managed to avoid that so far. Um, yeah, it's just that time of year now, and we do we do tend to tend to do quite a few cars concourse just general people want the cars out of storage general cleaning we get a lot of mold jobs coming right. from where cars have been in long-term storage okay you know all the general nasties yeah you know when they've been not everybody's got a garage yeah. so they do get kept under the car covers then the mold comes along the damp the damp dog smell yes. you know we've got one out there that's got a damp dog smell so we've got that one to do um yeah 
Now, obviously, the thing to do if you want your Jaguar looking pristine and at its finest is to bring it to CMC, tell them that you're a JEC podcast listener and a Jaguar Enthusiast Club member, get your discount, because there's lots of good deals on uh, for coming down here and having it detailed and letting you guys do it. But if you were to do a proper bit of detailing at home, what's the top tip you'd give someone on their drive on a Sunday morning trying to make the car look more shiny? Jet, buy a jet wash. Buy a jet wash, okay. <laughs> a jet washer is the finest thing you could ever go out and buy. Okay. Buy for doing your wheels, because most of the Jaguars are wire wheels. A really nice shampoo, doesn't take your wax off, cleans them really nice. You can have a, add a snow foamer to them. It just makes your life an absolute breeze for cleaning the cars. Makes sense. And make everything clean, don't use a sponge that's been laying in the grit and stuff like that. I wouldn't use a sponge at all. Um, <laughs> there you go, there's a top tip. The only thing we'd use a sponge for is to clean your floor mats with. Okay. Uh, yeah, wash mitts, two buckets, a really nice non-acidic wheel cleaner. There's plenty of them around now, the fallout removers they're called now. They're wonderful for your chrome wheels because they don't attack any of the plating. Like your CAD plating, your nickel, Makes your sense. zinc. Yeah, yeah, a really nice drying towel or a brand new microfiber. They dry, dry cars like you wouldn't believe. Okay, there we are. So, top tips. We're all detailing experts now, thanks to you. That's great. And uh, this is kind of rounds it all off, doesn't it, uh, Tim? Because we've come in, we've had our car serviced, we've gone through a restoration, we've seen some of them in storage, we've seen some of them in the body shop and in paint. And this is the final bit of the jigsaw, isn't it, where detailing and final finishing for that summer ahead is taking place. Yeah, everything that comes through has a a proper valid well it's been a wonderful tour here of classic motor cars cmc in bridge north in shropshire with tim griffin who tim you've been here a long time haven't you since almost the beginning Gosh, yeah since 1996 so three years so 27 years this year and fond memories you must have with some amazing cars i imagine yeah we've done some amazing cars over the years i suppose one that sticks out which is a, a bit a bit of an oddball one which is a bit more recently was we did the only pininfarina bodied xk120 which was a last minute rush to get it out to um, pebble beach where it um, where it suitably won, won it won a prize so you know on its on its first outing well it's of no surprise to me now having had the tour of cmc that you're able to pull out the stops and produce classic car restorations to that standard and to that level because I think there are two things that have really stood out for me over the uh, past 40 minutes or so that we've been walking around and that's that you sort of have a couple of real rarities here at CMC that you don't see elsewhere in the market. The first thing is what we mentioned earlier about the staff having an interest in the business. They're all shareholders. It's like a cooperative. That has to be unique in the classic car world. Secondly, it's most unusual to see a restoration workshop like this that does so many things in-house. We're stood talking right now opposite the trim shop here where new seats are being trimmed from scratch with materials and a specialist trimmer and that's all here at CMC it's not being farmed out we were talking to Hayden about him building gearboxes and rear axles differentials engine rebuilds are happening here the paint shop the bodywork is all done in-house and that amount of control over the quality that you're giving your customers is something that really has stood out to me throughout this tour and also finally that diversity it's come up several times throughout this tour 
there is everything in here from very very expensive valuable historic icons of British motoring history right the way down to the average X300 that is loved by people like me and everything in between and every enthusiast and their Jaguar is welcome here at CMC and I think that's what's really stood out and also just the real passion that your team has here at CMC it's wonderful and it's been exciting to be amongst it today Tim it must be like that every day for you yeah every day is exciting you know quite <laughs> classic cars you never quite know what it's going to throw at you well it says above the door uh, classic motor cars world-class specialists in classic cars they are it's as simple as that and we've confirmed that today you can find out all the details on CMC of course in Friday Spotlight that comes out from the Jag Enthusiast Club every week also in the description part of the podcast page here at uh, jcpodcast.com as well all the details on CMC and the links that you need to find out more about their services are on there plus you can see all of those cars for sale that we started our tour with and the contact details to get in touch with Tim or any of his team here at CMC. But for now, Tim Griffin, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. That's all for this episode of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club podcast. Don't forget to keep in touch with us here on the JC Podcast via www.jcpodcast.com. And you can get in touch with us very easily by using the voice recorder on there to leave us a message, or you can use the contact form if you prefer to write your messages. Don't forget, you can also join the Jaguar Enthusiast Club online by clicking the Join Today button on the top right-hand corner of the podcast page to enjoy all the benefits, plus the fantastic, glossy, 130-page monthly magazine that's all included in your membership of the worldwide Jaguar family that is the JEC. This is the Jaguar Enthusiasts Podcast. Subscribe for new episodes at jecpodcast.com.